What's happening, everybody? This is Roots Podcast. This is episode three. We have Amber Reinstein. Reinstein. I'll probably mess it up and she'll correct me. Um, but a little bit about Amber. We know each other from IMG Academy. I was previously there as the football dietitian, um, and we had her on as one of our combine prep dietitian slash nutritionists to work for that program. Um, super excited to have her on. She is also going to be our first dietitian that we're going to have on the podcast. So that's also super exciting as well. Amber, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So what I want to kind of do from the very start and what, I, what I'm going to do for the, a lot of these podcasts is, you know, the preface behind Roots is, you know, we know you're at Michigan State, your title is you're a football sports dietitian, but who is Amber? Like, where do your roots come from? Like, what got you essentially to this point? And you could be simple to the point with it. You can expand on it however you want to discuss who you are. Um, okay. Uh, so I first started off as a marine biologist and I was wanting to do that. I wanted to work with sharks and be in the freaking Gulf Coast all the time. And it was great. Um, then decided that that wasn't realistic. So I uh, was doing bodybuilding at the time and was in love with nutrition already and loved how it affected me. So went to um, school for dietetics where I got hooked up with um, Tiffany Bird, who was at OU. She's now at Wake Forest. And fell in love with sports nutrition, especially football nutrition. Um, I was there at OU for two and a half years. It was a great time. I, uh, of course, followed the pipeline dream of wanting to go to the NFL because, you know, when you when you first get started, that's what you want to do. Like, you have to go to the NFL. It's the best of the best. Uh, I was at the Eagles then for training camp 2019, then went to the Jets as the seasonal dietitian for the 2019 season. Um, decided I hated uh, NFL nutrition. Um, I'm a really big um, relationship person and connection person. And I feel like in the NFL, it's very hard to have those connections just because usually guys have their own people or, you know, they're just scared that if they say something wrong, they're going to get cut. And I really just didn't like that, like barrier between us. Um, however, being a female in football, I knew I needed to see all aspects of training to be able to relate to my guys better and be able to help them train for whatever, whatever they were going into. So I, uh, obviously went to IMG, which is where I met you and, uh, was there for three months with you guys and got to meet some great guys who I still work with to this day, which is awesome. And really full circle for me because we had one of the guys actually come to Michigan state to train. And it was very weird to walk into our training room and see him there. And it was a great, great experience. Um, and then Cody who went to Michigan state has come back a few times too. So it was, it was a cool experience just to have that like full circle moment. Um, and a Jets player came, which was, it, it was just, it was an amazing feeling. Um, and then, yeah, so I went to UNC. I knew I needed uh, one more year uh, as a fellow, just someone watching me and giving me tips and advice. So I was with Kelsey Gomes there at UNC and um, had a really, really, really great experience. Um, but I saw the Michigan State posting and um, I knew Coach Novak, who was with us at IMG as well. And I loved his um, approach to strength training and his approach to nutrition. He is very, you know, hey, you're the dietitian, you do your thing and I'll do my thing kind of thing, but we work really well together and a very like no nonsense personality, which is something I vibe really well with. And I was like, oh yeah, that, that's gonna be the place for me. And then my, um, my one interview with coach Tuck, I think I said fuck six times in the interview. And I was like, okay, this is my coach. Like, <laughs> I love this man. Like, this is my coach. And like the questions were just stupid and, and just 
I mean, a conversation, like his only main question was why guys complain about food. It's like, well, it's the, it's the easiest thing to complain about, <laughs> but we can go on and on about why they complain about food. Oh yeah. That's a whole different topic we could talk about. Oh yeah. It's like, man, it's just the easiest, it's the lowest hanging fruit. And it depends on the day if they like something or they don't. But besides work, like I have a, I have a fiance. We've been together for uh, seven years and I've got two dogs who are great. And now we live in a house with a boat and a huge yard and it's, it's the dream come true. Sounds fantastic. It sounds like your, your journey has really led you to a kind of the, the pinnacle point. But again, who knows what the journey could be beyond this point. You have, we have lots of years of life going on. After oh, yeah. um, so one thing I wanted to hit on there is obviously, you know, we've seen a lot in the football realm with a lot of female staff now getting hired in a lot of those positions. Could you kind of speak on behalf of, of being a female um, performance staff member? How do you feel it is working with, you know, a sport like football, which is predominantly a male sport? Um, do you feel it's challenging? Um, do you feel like you fit in really well there based off the staff that's kind of welcomed you in? Um, kind of what is your per perspective on that specifically? Um, I mean, I can talk about a couple of like different places and working in like a male dominated area, but Michigan State, I'm very blessed. Um, I'm one of three full-time females that work directly with the um, team. And then we also have our academic coordinator who also works with the team who's female as well. Um, I think the hardest thing about being a female is the stigma of, you know, inappropriate relations, obviously. So like coming in and making sure that you are being very clear and like to the point with our guys and like, I'm only here to be, you know, a, a mom figure and I'm here to teach you about performance nutrition. I'm here to help you, but at the same time, I'm going to hold you accountable. So something I think is really good is like going in there and you, you just, you just yourself, like, you know, if you're, I don't know how to say it, but like, like try to put up like a, a barrier and a facade, like guys just don't guys read through that so much quicker than girls do. And it's like, you have to, you have to go in and you have to be yourself and you gotta be comfortable really quickly. And something I've also learned in football, like you have to have a backbone. Like you can't let people walk all over you yeah. and like call, like, I mean, I get made fun of all the time. by like my interns, people who see me like on the field and like be screaming at, at our players, like that they have to do stuff. And people are like, it's so funny, but you'll literally see, you know, six foot nine player literally walking to do what I told him to do. Cause he knows he has to, because <laughs> we have that kind of rapport. So at the end of the day, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time making sure that my guys know that I'm here to make sure that they are going to get better and that they're going to reach their goals. And at the end of the day, like I want whatever they want for them. And um, I think becoming that um, midway point between like coaches and, you know, the player is a really good place for dietitians, especially to be just because we do have that um, background of, you know, counseling and stuff like that. So we're able to actually like reach them as humans, not just as a athlete, which I think is something that's needed, especially nowadays in sports is having that kind of relationship with our players. Yeah, I agree. Being real, being upfront and being honest and yep. just giving them a little bit of insight of who they are and also getting to know who they are, who their families, what their backgrounds are, you know, someone they can, they can sniff out a fake individual really quickly. Oh, so quick. They <laughs> are so quick on it. And if they know you're fake, guess what? That's going to spread to the rest of the team. And they're going to talk to other players that could go to coaches. So it's like, you have to establish yourself pretty quickly and show that you're there to help them and show that you're there to make a difference. And if you are able to make a difference on even one or two of those athletes, right. It can then have the opposite effect. Now we're in a position where not a lot of the athletes that respect you are now doing a lot of the work for you because they're promoting yep. what you do. They're pushing the services that you provide and they're trying to get more guys to hopefully come and see him or her, depending on who it is, um, to try to get more help. 
you know, so that way, you know, they're not doing it alone. And, you know, a lot of these athletes come from backgrounds where, you know, they struggle with working with staff members they don't know, or, you know, they just don't trust people in general, just because of possibly the environments and, and the situations they've been around before. So that's an extremely critical part um, that kind of comes into it. Yeah. I also think with the, like the transfer portal, it's made that very, very clear now too. It's like, they, they might not trust you just because of what they experienced at their last place. And that's becoming a huge you know factor now in all sports, not just football, um, just having bad relationships. And like, then you bring that stigma here and it's like, oh my gosh, like now you have a new problem with someone bringing bad, bad, bad advice, bad omens. Like, I don't know what you want to call it, but something bad. It's like, oh gosh. Well, yeah, because then they just they just peg that staff is like, oh, this is the first time I had, let's say, a sports dietitian, and this is the experience I had with them. So then all of yeah. a sudden it's now, okay, every dietitian I work with is going to be terrible, horrible. They're going to do the same exact thing. And it's like, you know, it's not their fault. It's like when you're getting exposed, you know, to that situation, you know, it's yeah. reinventing how you can essentially help them. And until you can do that or get other guys to speak for you, um, you know, everyone kind of flips that switch at different times. It could take weeks, months, you know, I've had guys where, you know, it took them a whole year to really get to know each other for them to want to actually, you know, change one thing, like add a piece of fruit on their plate. I mean, but at the end of the day, even if we do something like as small as that is okay, we add a fruit to your plate. I mean, that's still progress. It's a win. Exactly. It's improvement. It's a, it's a W in that win column. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so the other thing I'm doing with this podcast as well is obviously I'm bringing out lots of different staff members that would be essentially within a sports medicine or athletic performance department, um, just so obviously viewers can get an idea of kind of what everybody does and how they essentially help serve the athlete. So can you kind of explain, you know, in your eyes and in your opinion, what is a sports dietitian and what is your role? Or this is also always a touchy subject is what do you feel the role of a sports dietitian should be in comparison to what some people see it as? Um, oh, that's a, that's She's a like, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> again, I'll go and say I'm very blessed that my, my school lets me be whatever I want to define a sports dietitian as. So I've had that freedom to kind of be exactly what I want. Um, you know, obviously perfect world. Let's say you have a full staff. You're able to have your feeling lounge taken care of all the time. You know, you have interns in there to make shakes, make snacks and, you know, handle, handle your training table, all that kind of stuff. Right. So that's, that's off the table. Those responsibilities are gone because right now, 50% of my time is, is that <laughs> we're, so I'm still working to build my staff here at Michigan state. Um, but just as a sports dietitian, it's, it's everything that involves food and drinks, everything. So that includes breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? That's what we all think of. Okay, well, now that also includes pre and post practice. What are we doing? Something that I'm really happy with here is that my AT staff and my strength staff let me take control of the hydration status. Um, small brag, going to do it. Um, we had zero cramps last year and in the Miami hey game. And I had no guy besides one from anywhere lower than Ohio. They had never seen that kind of heat or played in that humidity. And we had zero cramps. That's like coming out of so, the air with no hamstring pulls. That's like it, a, a unicorn exactly. here. <laughs> oh, when I say like me in the sport, and obviously it was me and the sports scientist sitting and planning this out for like eight months and like acclimatizing these guys and getting them ready and practicing hydration plans, sweat tests, like multiple hours of like crying and just like stressing the hell out about it. 
um, bawled on the field when it was over, like literally just like we won. And I just fell to the ground and started crying. It was like, oh my God, I just need a second, like all that stress of my body. But I'm very blessed here that they have given me that and they trust me to take care of our guys' hydration plans. And we obviously had a really successful season with um, no game ending cramps. I'll say that we had a few, like, obviously from overload, but um, so I, I think that's, that's our job. It is everything that involves that and creating strategies for each and every guy. Something I'm really big on is um, you have to know all of your players and know how to reach them. Like rapport is a huge thing. And I think that's something that I know we shouldn't look over, but I think a lot of people look over, like you have to have different approaches with different players. And I think that's something that I do very well here at Michigan state is being able to change myself and kind of be a chameleon for who I need to be. Like, obviously I'm still myself. I'm still Amber, but it's okay. Well, maybe I'm a softer Amber. Okay. Now I'm hard ass Amber. And it's like trying to change all that. And I think that's what's worked and obviously given me that um, freedom to be what I define as a sports dietitian. Um, something else I'm really big about is that we are very big on education, but it's, it's, you know, the research papers that me and you are reading, Sean, but now it's like, okay, well, we're now we're digesting it and giving it to our players. Yeah. So that's, what's like on our slides. So I think it's also creating men is what I call it. Like you're creating guys that when they leave you, they don't need somebody to be taking care of them. They know how to make their own plates. Like you don't know what team you're going to go to. You know, the, the Steelers still don't have a dietitian. You know, um, Chiefs have a part-time dietitian. It's like, okay, you still might go to a team that doesn't have a dietitian to help you. Zilch. Or yeah. they might or have the areas where they, they might, yeah, they, they won't have any kitchen or training. And it's like, you think about that in a lot of these professional organizations, it's like, how do some of you still not have these base level needs that a pro level athlete has to have? Like, and I always tell the athletes here, right? Sleep, hydration, and fueling. You spend 10 to 15 hours every single day doing those three things. So how are we not going to support them to give those necessary things that they need in a facility? No, it's, it's absolutely shocking to me. Like going, I've been at, I've been at obviously two, two NFL teams now. It's shocking the difference between the two, obviously like the Eagles 1000% supported everything that Mike Menace and um, Josh Hinks put together. You know, they were like, okay, you're, we're doing all of it. They bought, I mean, they have recovery tanks, they have deprivation tanks, they have, a cryo machine in the building. Like they do everything that they possibly could tell them to. I think every player has an aura ring still. They all have whoops. Like they are tracking everything there. And then you go to the jets and it's like, okay, they have a training table, but that's, that was all that that went to with that coach. And I'm hoping now with uh, coach Shaw that it's a little bit better, but mm. with Gase, it was very much old school football. Um, but yeah, trying to make sure our guys don't need someone babysitting them. Cause okay. Your freshman year, I get it. I'm going to have to babysit you a little bit just because, you know, you're leaving mom for the first time, depending on your situation, <laughs> you know, maybe you never had to make a food decision in your life. Maybe you never had to cook. I mean, I literally talked to guys through vacuuming the other day. Yeah. You have I mean, to do it. It's, it's, it's insane. Like a lot of times we get mad at athletes because, you know, you're lazy. You don't know what you're doing. Why aren't you doing it? Why, you know, it's like, we're getting mad that they don't know how to do all these things. But in reality, like a lot of these life skills essentially aren't taught to them, you know, yeah. and, and may, it could be also because maybe it wasn't even taught to their parents. So they don't know how to yep. then provide the skills to their own children. So, you know, you really got to take a step back at times when you start to get really frustrated and, and really ask questions to the athlete to figure out, okay, is he, is he or she really serious? Cause they really don't know, or are they actually just, being lazy and they don't want to do it. So it's like being able to differentiate 
between those two things uh, where a lot of people will right away write the person off. You can't write yeah. if you don't know the background behind the person. No, I think that's a, I think that's a huge misconception with athletes is that they're lazy or they get things handed to them. And it's like, I've never seen someone work harder than my players like to do, you know, 15 hours of college on top of, you know, you're working out two hours every day on top of a two hour practice every day on top of film and learning a playbook. And you're still expected to get a degree at the end of it. It's like, we put such unreal expectations on these kids. And then we get pissed when, you know, oh, well, you didn't eat today or you didn't freaking show up for your treaty. It's like, okay, well maybe like take a step back and like ask what's going on in their actual lives too. Like it's not just football. They're, they're also students, they're kids. Like I, I mean, I, they're my, they're my children. They're my kids. It's like, okay, well, before we start screaming at them for not doing something like, maybe let's see if something was going on or if it was just laziness, obviously they're freaking teenage males. Sometimes they will try to pull that. Yeah. They will want to do stuff. It's understandable. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I, I think that's also like a misconception. Like also what if they're just exhausted? Like we have, we have a player right now who is doing 17 credit hours during spring ball. And he lost, he lost like six pounds and it was, and the coaches are freaking out. I'm like, dude, like he's literally, he leaves football and goes to class for seven hours. Like it's, he's eating a brown sack, a brown lunch sack. That's what, that's what he's eating. Cause he can't heat anything up. So there's not much you can do on turkey sandwiches. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. When you're going from five, six a.m. in the morning and in a lot of these guys cases with film and meetings and yeah, even night classes, depending on what type of discipline they have. I mean, it could be an eight, nine, 10 o'clock night. And it's like sometimes general population or people who just have never been an athlete or never worked with athletes just in general, don't, don't understand. Yeah. Like, don't understand. Well, why do you have to do that? Or why are you doing that all day? It's like, well, at the end of the day, like this is what athletic takes, whether it's a practitioner or whether it's an athlete. And like, this is the time they have to put in, like, even if they want to get a chance yep. to be, to play, or even if they want to get a chance to get to the next level, um, yep. They're going to have to sacrifice things and, you know, at times be selfish, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, all you do is spend time with football and this is and the other or, or whatever the sport is. And it's like, well, no, like this is what they have to dedicate if they want to get that one chance to hopefully make money for not only them and their family, but to set them up for success long term. No, and for sure. And I, something that's uh, Michigan State, I think, does really well. Um, we have a director of player engagements. We have Darian Harris and um, Lorenzo Guest, Dr. Lorenzo Guest, sorry, um, that run player engagement. And they actually are teaching our kids like financial literacy. They literally have a fake bank account that they have to manage, like, and they do it once a month. And the guys like uh, Coach Guest and um, Darian, you know, make them come in and they actually have to explain that to them. It's like, I love this. Like something Tuck has done really well. Coach Tucker is, um, we're, they're leaving here and they're leaving as men. Like they're leaving here knowing exactly what to do in their life, no matter if they're going to the NFL or if you know they're going on to real life and getting a job. It's like, they're going to know how to take care of themselves. And that goes into you know athletic uh, training and that goes into nutrition too. Like I'm given whatever I need to make our kids successful. And that kind of supports insane here. And, and that's, that's something I'm doing in my organization as well. You know, we have you know, was life skills, skills, they're now calling it pro skills, essentially, you know, where we have that uh, financial literacy, nutrition, food demos, you know, we have um, uh, shout out to Dr. Joy, our sports psychologist, 
does uh, mental wellness as well. So just provide, and then also, you know, our academics does a really great job, you know, bringing them out to different organizations to teach them different things, also getting them out in the community to, to show how to be involved in there as well. So again, you know, like I always say is, is we're trying to make the athlete a 360 degree athlete, you know, not a one trick pony that can just play football. Like yep. what else can the athlete do? What can, what else can the athlete provide to the team that they're going to be going to? And essentially how are they going to then impact others outside of what they do just on the field? Um, which again is, is a much bigger impact than just you running the ball or tackling somebody at the end of the day. Well, hundred percent. I mean, once they sign a commitment letter and they come to our school, I do believe it's our responsibility for everything else that happened. It is, we decided to take these kids on and we decided they're our players and it's hundred percent. Everything that goes on in their life is our responsibility to help them through and to teach them how to handle it after. Yeah. And I want to go back to your 1.2 is, is it's not a cookie cutter approach. Like you got to figure out how certain guys learn things or obtain information. Yeah. Like you can't just be standing up there reading a PowerPoint or, and think that's going to ultimately help them figure things out. Like you might have to literally physically show them and they may like stuff through text message. They may just want to FaceTime you like, or they're in the store and they're like, Hey, Amber, Hey, Sean, like, what should I buy in the store? Like, like that's the type of stuff where you have to figure out, like you said, how each athlete functions. So then you can best change your advice and how you're going to do things rather than, Oh, I'm just a dietitian. This is my philosophy. This is how I do things. I mean, it's yep. just, it's going to turn a lot of kids off pretty quick. That's actually like one of my like most peeved approach. Um, we're obviously growing a lot here at Michigan state and having to do interviews and like something that always gets asked is like, what's your nutrition approach? And it's like, I don't have, I don't have one. I don't have one. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to help each athlete. When I say I have some kids who freaking eat hot Cheetos, but you know what? That hot Cheetos has salt and it's going to make them drink a shit ton of water. So you know what that means? Hydrated. And then hopefully we can start losing a little bit sprinkles education with those Cheetos of like, Hey, look, Amber's giving you Cheetos. Okay, great. Maybe we can start getting a better car. Okay. Look at this. Okay. What if we add this thing, but they trust you because you're, you're giving into them. It's what they think, you know, air quotations, like giving in. It's like, Oh no, there's just tricks up your sleeve. Something I actually hate is team talks. I hate team talks. I refuse to do them. I don't think they work. That's something like, I mean, and again, we, we did this at IMG, you know, during the NFL prep and, and something that I still do. And when I did IMG is just luckily here in my organization, I got to do a one-on-one with every single person. And I know, I, th- I think I watched a video or I read an article that you, you did that with every single person yep. there, which, you know, to do an individual one-on-one with every single athlete on a football team, that takes a lot of time. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of athletes to do, but just hearing from kind of the conversation we're having you know, right now that that individual, even if it's one time makes a big difference rather than standing in front of a room and half the group is falling asleep and not knowing what's going on. Whereas if you make it more individual to that person or the player, and then no one else is there to make fun of them, make comments, like you can typically have a lot better impact when it comes to making them make some changes. I think as long as they feel like you give a shit about them as a human, they're willing to do almost everything for you. And everything to make them better, because as long as they know at the end of the day, like you care about them as a human and not just as an athlete. And then they know at the end of the day that I also want them to be the best athlete and I want to help them get there. Dude, the buy-in's incredible. Like um, there was, there was one, um, I think it was a radio show I had to do. And like, he was saying that and he was like, oh, most people don't, don't have these kind of connections. I'm like, it's just called giving a shit. Like, I don't know if it's like it's a just loss. Just called caring. You just, it's, you just, it's, you just need to show you care. 
yeah, is it a lost art? I don't know. But it's like, dude, just if you just ask these kids how they're doing, it makes their whole day. And they're willing to do anything for you. Like, how did I get someone to change from cereal to oatmeal? It's like, okay, well, you let them have the cereal and you talk with them about it. I was like, freak, I would sit there and have a bowl of Fruity Pebbles with them. And we'd sit there and we'd talk through it. I mean, I think sometimes just people get too laser focused in one path and one thing. And, you know, it's like taking those one or two minutes with, you know, a male or female athlete, whoever it is, like makes that big of a difference. Or if it's their birthday saying happy birthday, or like we have a couple athletes that got invited to some special camps this summer. Right. And just sent them a text like, Hey, congrats guys. Like, that's really awesome that you guys got picked to do something like that. Like it just shows that constant, like, even if they don't like say they don't text back, Cause sometimes athletes don't text back, but even if you can, at least <laughs> it gets to them. Right. And they know you said it or that you, they know they saw it. Um, you know, that makes a huge difference because, you know, they know you're constantly looking at what they're doing, their achievements, you know, know that you have their back and that's, that's the world to them at times. No, hundred percent. So there's a couple of times in there you were mentioning working with, you know, lots of different staff on your team. Um, can you kind of go into how you work, with your interdisciplinary staff or the importance of working with other staff members um, versus a lot of times, you know, we, we go into situations in some colleges or, or just programs and organizations where everyone's kind of like in their own little office and no one talks to each other and the communication's bad. Like how do you guys there make things work as a team to collectively then help the athlete get to where they need to be? I mean, I think the same approach with athletes like works with our staff. So I think just like being a real human being and like actually giving a shit about them, it 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 goes really far with our coaches and our staff as well. Like, uh, you know, my my best friends are two of our athletic trainers and our director of player engagement and a couple of our coaches, and we hang out all the time and it's so fun and we have a good rapport. But I think that's just because you know going in like. I sat down with every single coach, every analyst, every athletic trainer, every strength coach, obviously I had the relationship with coach Novak. And we talked about like what their expectation was of me and of this team. And I obviously was very fortunate that they were kind of like, whatever the hell you want, Amber. And I was like, <laughs> don't say that because you're like, that's a little to- too broad. Like give me a it, couple it, things you want to see. Oh no. I'm just like, it comes with the price tag. If you want to do what I want, like Amber, it was been in a couple of big programs. Like obviously, you know, OU, I had a massive budget and UNC was not a small budget either. I'm like, oh, okay. We could, we could do a lot of stuff, but let me know where so the, you tell me, no, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I think our interdisciplinary team, like we, we don't really sit down and meet as an interdisciplinary team, but like, we're always talking, if that makes sense. Like we're always in each other's rooms before lifts, you know, we're all chatting. Um, you know, I'm obviously really good friends with most everybody on our team. And like, we just chat about anything. If any red flags come, I usually get a phone call immediately. Um, somebody cramps, I get a phone call, literally that instant, they don't even treat a cramp until I come over, which is incredible. Cause it's like, they know that I know exactly what goes in that kid's body. And I know what goes in, you know, for food and for water or, you know, hydration purposes. So I think also just like showing them that you actually care about the kids and you're not just there just to do a job. Mm-hmm. I think that helps with like the rapport and like building that interdisciplinary team and the fact that we all meet all the time. Like, I mean, today I spent three hours in our athletic trainer's office, just talking and yeah, that just works. And even, even doing those things, like, especially like outside of work, like going, going, eating, you know, going, chilling and having a drink, like whatever it may be oh, like yeah. 
just like it is building trust relationship with the athletes, like those events you can do with staff members, is it going to build better trust there? So then it gets to the point where then now they don't have to worry about you. Yep. All right. And we know Amber is going to do X, Y, and Z. This is one thing off our list. We don't have to worry about. Yep. She's already probably he or she's already pre-planning, already did it, already communicated it, or here she is walking to my office right now. And we're going to have a conversation about it. Yep. And, and a like, few times I miss something, they just give a call and they know, and I'm like, okay, handled. Yep. 30 seconds tops. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate here. <laughs> Steps into a great spot. Um, oh, very. So this is always a, uh, a question that, you know, everyone's going to answer it a little bit differently, but what do you feel within the field of sports nutrition or nutrition in, in general? What needs to be better? What, what needs to improve in our field for us to continue to keep progressing forward? Like, obviously, we, we got that survey this year that showed, you know, like in 2015, we had like 50 full-time dietitians, and now we have, you know, 500, 600 dietitians, sports dietitians in the field. But, you know, what, what do we continue to keep seeing as issues or concerns that you feel like needs to be improved across the board? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a question. That's a stumper. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I could say a lot of like pet peeves and like things that I'm seeing in this upcoming generation that it's like, okay, if we're, if we're going down this route, things are going to, you know, crumble. Um, uh, I think I'm, um, thing I'm seeing is that a lot of places don't give a lot of support. Like I'm, I'm now at the point where I have a few interns that are now, you know, in, in positions of power and, you know, having full-time positions. Now I have one that's a director and then one that's a full-time dietitian. And, um, which is wild. It makes me feel so old. I'm like, Oh my God, I actually have interns that are, Oh my God. Um, but anyways, um, I know, right. It gets you super excited. You're like, I, I work with these interns and these specific people. And it's like, it felt like it was just yesterday. And now it's, it was, I swear it was. And I'm like, oh my God, that was like four years ago. Shit. And there, there um, are all of a sudden a director in this position. You're like, man, you were just doing this a couple of days ago. I know. So do you remember when you used to stock Fairlife and clean out the fridge because the kids would let things explode? No. <laughs> oh, you're still doing it. Great. Love that for us. Yeah. Um, but I, I think like the lack of support, like I, um, obviously I'm blessed here, but a lot of places you, they just don't give them support. You know, they're expecting, um, one person to be handling multiple teams or not giving them a budget and not putting money where their mouth is and then expecting you to pull shit out of your ass. It's like, I, I, I still just don't get how we're willing to give strength and conditioning all this money, right? Like they say they need a freaking new foam roller and oh, well, here's $15,000 for your fucking foam roller. What? And I'm sitting over here being like, okay, well, I need, uh, let's say drip drop, like, and it's like, oh, whoa, whatever. Well, we're getting crazy here. You can just use gator lights. They're free. What? No. No. Um, yeah, no, the, I know the, the discrepancy sometimes within a budget and what one staff can get versus another staff can get can, can clearly be very frustrating because it's like you could even show data and information and stuff like, hey, this is going to make an impact or, hey, these are schools that are beating us or doing better than us or this is what they do in the NFL. And it's like, well, no, like we can't, that's not in the budget. We can't afford that. But then you see X, Y, and Z over here, get whatever. And you're like, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that would be like my, my biggest issue that I'm still seeing. And, um, I do think sometimes being rock star dietitians, um, 
you know, being able to handle these massive teams is kind of also setting us up for success or uh, for, for failure, like setting us up for failure because, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm very good at compartmentalizing and being able to handle 120 guys and knowing each individual thing about them and exactly what they feed, but that's not actually a good thing. Like it's, it's not, it's setting us all up for success because maybe not everybody can do something like that. But let's say I leave Michigan State and somebody comes in, am I setting that person up for failure then coming in? Or, you know, if I go to another place and somebody does stuff differently, is that setting me up for failure as well? Because it's like, I feel like the inconsistencies as well is, yeah. Sometimes there's areas where the standard is so high. It's like you step into that position. It's like, I'm I'm almost never going to make anybody happy because I'm never going to be that person. So can they accept me for specifically who I am and what I'm going to bring to the table? Or am I going to keep beginning compared or vice versa you might come into a situation where you know whatever the staff member is on on the department you know wasn't doing a great job and now you make like a 360 and like you're doing 10 20 times more things or bringing more value than i ever brought it, it could be a very challenging situation depending on what type of environment you walk into yeah i mean i i yeah i it could be very difficult i think it set a lot of people up for like failure yeah. I think those are my big, I think those are my big ones. I mean, obviously we have a whole bunch of other ones, you know, you have to, you have to do the grind first. You have to, I think a lot of people now are expecting to get paid as interns. And it's like, I love that. And I do think we need to create like hierarchies where we are having some paid interns, but sometimes you have to grind it a little bit. Um, and I think it also creates some grit for sports. I think you have to have a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to kind of be like our players and like, understand what they're going through and like you kind of have to push push through some shit like yeah you're not having to do physical activity but i mean you still have to you still have to grind it out for a little bit yeah i mean ultimately what everyone wants for any staff is it to be at least some type of work-life balance or provide your staff some time off Mm -hmm. or being able to dissociate yourself from your position or your team or your university and like who am i outside of that university in this position or yep do I have actual things that I do that help me to relax or unwind physically and mentally? Or is the only thing I know is just go, 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 go. And then I burn myself out. Like a lot of times, you know, people really struggle with that. And not only is the staff, I mean, players as well. I've come across lots of players. Like all I know is football or all I know is basketball. And, you know, you know, we're telling them and during certain parts of the year, like relax, chill, don't do anything. And their relax and chill is still, going out and doing sprints and throwing the football around or the basketball or whatever it is. And they can't stop. Or my favorite one. I just did abs, Amber. I just did abs. I didn't sweat. I just did abs. Oh my gosh. What? What? How are abs going to help you with football? I can tell you that's not a lot. Not a lot. (laughs) That's just your vanity showing. Yeah. That's only going to take you so far. I know plenty of people with abs and know plenty of people that move tons of weight, but it doesn't mean they're ultimately going to be a good football player at the end of the day. Listen, the best person with the best abs I've ever seen was Jason Peters at the Eagles. O-lineman didn't have abs. 360. No no one could complete his ab program. Had the strongest abs out of the whole team. No one could complete it, but he didn't have the defined air quotes abs. Yeah. I mean, and that's even a whole nother topic to go down, you know, all these prototypical heights prototypical weights body comps it's like yeah i get certain positions should look or be a certain way but like ultimately like if they're not a certain way a certain height doesn't ultimately define if they can play that position or not yeah something we're we're recently having to do something like that it's like 
hey, like so-and-so is not, he doesn't fit that mold. We, we've tried it your way for freaking six months. It's not working. Can we let his body do something? You recruited him. You know what he can do. Let's just let, let him do it. And we'll just make him healthy. And it's like, you know, we saw that last year with a couple of our players. It was like, dude, you just let him be who he was. And it was like, holy shit, who is this guy? Like, try my different position. Like you look at a guy like uh, Isaiah Simmons, I think his name is on the Cardinals who they draft and they're like, okay, well, does he play middle linebacker, outside linebacker? Does he play safety? Like, does he, is he, he's so fast and runs four, 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 three. We could put him out in a slot corner position, but he's still 230 pounds. Like. Yeah. I think something else people get really hung up on is like the combine numbers and be like, oh, well, you need to be in these combine numbers. I'm like, that's unattainable. Like, obviously we worked combine. It's like, I saw people lean out so much in three months only to gain it all right back because as a position, you can't play that lean or you can't play it that way. Like an old lineman at 18%, you're just asking for injuries. Absolutely. Like, unless you get, unless you get a freak. I mean, obviously there's some of those, like I recently just had one that had abs and he's an old lineman and he's freaking like three thirty, And I'm like, Holy shit, you freaking genetic specimen over here. Like that's yeah. not normal, <laughs> but you have all them. It's like, okay, you can't, we can't compare all of them to our genetic anomaly over here. No, we can't. <laughs> that was once in a lifetime people yeah which you get every now and again it's like holy shit what happened here all right so how i want to kind of finish this out is is you know people usually ask you know what is your contact information which i'll just put in the, the bio in the show notes um but what, what i want to ask you is who do you feel in our field right now will be someone to follow listen to or who do you recommend the dietitians in our field should go even dm or talk to that would be an extremely valuable source that they can learn and improve from, or even be better equipped as they kind of go through the process of becoming a sports dietitian, even knowing what it is or what, what it encompasses. Um, so I have a few, I have a few people just cause I have a few people I go to for these things. Um, Emily Warner, she's with the 76ers. Um, just very solid advice. Like it's never, it's never crazy. It's never off the wall, but it's sound solid advice. And I've relied on her very heavy this past, like two years, just in my position now, same with Sarah, um, Renahan price. She just got married. So her name just changed. So I don't know if you'd find her as price, but Sarah Renahan, um, and she just got the job at Texas tech. Again, another one I go to for solid advice, but she also just cares so much. And like, you get off the phone with her and you feel like you just got a hug from her. It's like one of those people that like, you can feel that warmth like radiating and it's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I really needed that. Or like just a pep talk, which is, which is awesome. Um, and then her mentor um, is Jana at Georgia. And I mean, I still haven't connected with her, but that's like the one person that it's like, I keep telling myself, like, I'm going to reach out and talk to her because she just. I mean, Sarah talked really highly of her and her management style. And I, I love that. I love that so much. Um, when people can still talk great about their mentors and still call them, even though I think Sarah's been doing this for like seven years. Just do it. Um, just DM yeah. her today. Tell yourself you're going to uh, do it because the more you wait, then it's not going to happen. So just, just, you know, the, the like new girl, like new, new dietitian on the block butterflies. So come out a little bit when you start thinking like, okay, I'm going to text the big wigs and it's like, Oh God. I don't hey, know if you're good enough yet to touch the big wigs. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say at the end of the day, we're, we're all on a similar playing field. Some people have more experience than other people, but no matter whether you're two years in or whether you're 20 years in, like everybody can learn from each other at the end of the day. That's how I look at it. AT wise, I would say Lionel Rice. He's been my rock since I've been at MSU, or MSU and he is, I mean, 
one of the best human beings, but all 